Hey, welcome to the Africa Podcast. On today's episode, we feature a conversation between me, Mikey Mhenna, and Tunisian human rights activist Emna Mizuni. This conversation was originally recorded over Zoom on November 3rd. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everyone, to Africa Conversations. I'm very excited to be joined by our special guest, Emna Mizuni. Um, Emna is a data analyst and digital and communication specialist who currently leads digital, citizen, uh, digital citizenship organization in Tunisia. She's the founder of the cultural organization uh, Carthagena and is an active member of several civil, civil society groups in Tunisia. She was minted Wikimedian of the Year in 2019 and is a fellow of the Aspen Ideas Festival of the Aspen's Institute. Emna holds a master's degree in communication and a diploma in management and business practices from the High School of Business, Tunis ESC. Welcome to Africa Conversations, Emna. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and for having me sharing this hour. That is changing my day. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, I guess the first question is, you know, you grew up in Tunis, is that right? Yes. So in the course of your lifetime, how much has Tunis changed? Ooh. So um, I would say I did not only grow up in Tunis. I was like born, raised, and lived all of my life in Tunis. Yeah. Um, Tunis changed a lot. Um, in different ways uh, and in recent years it changed um, I wouldn't say radically but it, there is a significant uh, change in the people around Tunis capital but also in the spaces um, uh, here I would bring them the culture and heritage background a lot of spaces we lost them and a lot of places are now new it's um, it it would look like other Arab capitals um, and the modern side of it, many of the Arab capitals, but also it still has a little bit of the authenticity of Tunis as we knew it. Yeah, so so I guess I have a question. Um, what do people like most misunderstand about Tunis? When people come to visit, what is the sort of like persistent misunderstanding about the culture or the history of the not only Tunis as a city but Tunisia. Um, it depends, honestly. It depends from uh, which background you're coming. Uh, yeah. For some people, if they're Westerns, they wouldn't think that Tunis or Tunisia is is a modern country, as like buildings and people. They are not riding camels and all of that. We're mm -hmm. not living in tents. We wear normal clothes as the others. Yeah. Um, for other um, Arab countries, for them, Tunisia would be more liberal than their countries, and they would think that everything is authorized. But when they come here, they would find, yes, Tunisia is nice. Weather is good. The places are greener than any other country um, in the region. Uh, but we're still not that liberal or Western in our way of living. We're um, modern, but uh, slightly conservative. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, they would ask me what to do. They don't know how uh, important and rich our history is. They don't know where to go, what to do. Um, sadly, we're not very good at promoting Tunisia, the different uh, sides of Tunisia. 
Uh, but the good thing is uh, when you're here in person, you will definitely have a very rich experience in the country. Yeah, because it's interesting, like a preservation work, like I guess before I get into this, maybe you can tell the story of how you got interested in cultural preservation and how you got interested in um, the work that you're doing with Carthagena. Um, it's very difficult to respond to this question. Um, maybe Only the hard-hitting questions from me. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we did not agree on that. We did not agree on questions, which is good. So I'm discovering and I'm trying to um, to think before saying um, anything. But for this specific question, I think my background and my roots are the reason why um, I got interested in this. Um, the stories that I was told when I was a kid. Um, you cannot really go away with the way of living um, that is very, very um, attached to rituals and traditions. Um, and then when you uh, face the professional life and see other people, they are not sharing with you the same uh, knowledge that you just go away with it. Um, when you're aware of this, I think many people, when they are aware of something um, missing um, in the public space, they would try to bring it in. Um, and that's how I got very interested in promoting heritage. Um, it's very simple. Um, I would say from a few conversations with some people, I got uh, a sense of, I know different things from um, our traditions and heritage that those people need to know in my age or younger than me. And so there, I feel I have a duty of um, letting them aware and giving them the platform they need to do that. And this is how Cartagena was born somehow. Yeah, so what does the, if you can just explain to the, the listeners, what does Carthagena do now and what do you hope it's doing in sort of like 10, 15 years? And, and maybe, maybe you sort of work yourself out of a job in 10, 15 years, and you hope it doesn't have to exist, but like... Oh, no, I hope it does exist. <laughs> okay, so what, do you, what is it doing today, and what do you think it should be doing in 15 years? Um, so this is a, another big question, because what we do in Cartagena is quite a lot uh, for a, a small team, and it's a small team, but big dedication, a big amount of um, hours that we spend um, as a small volunteer team. What we do is basically tell stories about Tunisia, uh, the history, uh, the heritage. We try to document not only telling stories and making them available online. Um, we try to um, digitize uh, documents that are not really available for the public. So academia, researchers, uh, travelers, um, anyone could find um, that document available online under a Creative Commons license or public domain or different licenses. Um, we try to, um, to promote the heritage um, of Tunisia, um, the tangible and non-tangible heritage in the country uh, through different um, actions and activities and events. Um, now we're switching to the online events uh, style, but also abroad, not only for Tunisians living 
or resident of Tunisia, but also for people abroad. Um, I think we're making, um, we already made a big step um, in doing this. Uh, we exi we're existing now, where we started in 2013, so it's, um, it's a significant amount of years for a volunteer group to be doing the work that we're doing mm -hmm. and implementing uh, projects um, and having our, um, um, our touch or our space and the, um, the culture scene, but also in um, preserving our heritage for the next generation, not only the people living here now. Um, I really would love to see Cartagena surviving the next 10, 15, 20, whatever years. Um, not definitely with me, but um, we have plenty of leadership within uh, the organization right now. Um, I would love to see it doing more work, uh, documenting more, because we have a very rich history. We have a lot of heritage. It's like bigger than we think, bigger than what we can do. Um, there is a lot of projects that we're still looking forward to um, to be implementing and we're mm -hmm. discussing this. Um, still those projects now are COVID sensitive, COVID-19 sensitive, like um, we're trying to adapt ourselves to the situation uh, to keep our community um, uh, aware and uh, and also entertained in some ways uh, and to keep documenting and digitizing. So um, before I would kind of move on, what is the significance of, of the name? Um, it has a little bit of a um, marketing background and that's yeah. the marketing <laughs> side. Um, everyone abroad knows Tunisia as um, with the Carthage as a site. Sure. Um, and so if we want to use it, use something to um, to make it very, very um, easy to um, to say, easy to understand um, and catchy, that would be related to Carthage somehow. Um, but Carthage as a name is very used in different com commercial and non-commercial uh, uses. And that's how um, we try to make um, the combination between Carthage and Cartagena or Cartagena, the mm -hmm. Spanish um, city. Um, it has no direct link to it, but it's like a combination of different, um, different things and trying to add the Tunisian touch because we always, whenever there is a, a foreign name, we would add our touch to it and change it. Um, and so we came up with the Cartagena. Very cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your involvement in, uh, in sort of uh, the Wikipedia universe more broadly. You know, Wikipedia, is, I think it's the most, besides, uh, you know, maybe Google.com, YouTube, it's probably the most visited uh, domain in the world. Um, but I think if I remember correctly, I remember seeing a poll, something like 95% of people are, um, are users, 4% of people are uh, of the internet more broadly, 95% of people are users and viewers, 4% of people are moderators, and 1% of people are creators. So how did you go from, what is your sort of Wikipedia journey? How did you go from a viewer to you know, maybe a moderator and then decided to actually create uh, content uh, on the platform and become more involved. Can you tell that story? 
um, it's a nice journey. I think a lot of people um, in this call or those who will be um, watching the podcast later, they would relate to my story. At the very beginning, it was very difficult for me to edit anything. Um, I'm not into coding. I'm not into um, a lot of complicated IT uh, things. Um, but then what was the real trigger to me joining uh, the community and contributing in Wikipedia um, came when uh, we um, we found out about the Creative Commons or the Wikimedia Commons uh, project. Um, and that's how my contribution um, in terms of the encyclopedia um, is more about uploading images and, uh, and books um, and things like that. Um, and so the whole journey started when we spotted the common point between Cartagena and Wikipedia. And um, it was so important for us, for our work, for our mission to document our uh, history, not only um, in different platforms, but we had to be in Wikipedia. Tunisia has to be in Wikipedia in different ways. Um, and it was in a time where there was a lot of uh, terrorist attacks um, and little um, free licensed images about Tunisia. A lot of monuments were not documented and there was the time of the Wikilogs Monuments photo contest. And mm. so all of these um, reasons made, it, made me try to discover this word and it was at the time that uh, Wikipedia started using um, the visual editor, not only coding and using the different languages to write an article. So it was for me very easy to contribute. Um, and this is how I tried to, um, uh, to share this knowledge and this know-how uh, thing. Um, by organizing, by joining the Wikimedia movement and organizing different workshops for people in Tunisia and around also the region. When I say the region, it's the MENA region. Um, to join in and try to, uh, to know how to edit, how to contribute. Um, it was a nice journey. It is still a nice journey. Um, I went from a simple viewer, as you mentioned, or one of the readers, the millions of readers of this big, amazing um, human project um, to um, contributing, editing articles, adding images, um, organizing events, um, create, building communities, basically. I contributed in building communities and growing um, this, um, I would say this Arabic, Arab and African community, um, but also I moved to the governance side of it. So uh, I made it to the affiliations committee, trying to support more the international, not only the regional communities um, to get together into affiliations. Um, it's a very nice journey to see how it works from the inside and to yeah. have this type of back and forth uh, to discuss, for example, some articles, some edits. Um, I know there is some Wikipedians around here. Um, uh, they're doing just a great job. Um, and here you're showcasing two good pictures. 
um, uh, the Wiki Arabia, the first Wiki Arabia that we organized in Monastir in 2015. It was a time where, when literally 2015 was a very bad year for Tunisia. We had several terrorist attacks and we managed to get people from the, um, all over the world, not only the um, Arab countries, to join in and to write um, and to show them uh, Tunisia, but not only Tunis as a capital. We organized it in Monastir, um, in uh, the coastline, um, and yeah. Arabia, um, Cairo in Egypt 2017. That was an amazing, another milestone for the Arabic community. Um, we organized also different um, other, like, conferences and workshops in Tunisia. I was involved with the Wiki Indaba, which is the, um, a conference for the African community in 2018. Yeah. This is a still growing community and it's very easy. Some people, they would think um, it's very tough to join in uh, and edit, but it's very easy, as easy as reading the article. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Two questions. The first is a project like this, right? Um, of this size, uh, uh, quite literally like an encyclopedic size uh, project. Um, what metrics for success does you and your team, you, you mentioned governance, right? What metrics for success do you guys pay attention to when you think about preservation of knowledge and when you think about um, uh, producing, not even preserving, producing knowledge? What metrics of success are you paying attention to? And what does Wiki Arabia look like, like again in a few years from now? Like, what are the benchmarks? That's the first question. I'll, I'll get to the second afterwards. Um, another complicated question. Yeah. Um, for the metrics, it depends from uh, which perspective I would take it. Um, for us in Cartagena, um, being able to organize photo contests and um, go from a, uh, a city that is not covered um, or that has no pictures uh, available for use um, under a free license or a different license would be a success. And we moved from um, in certain areas from 0% to 100% of coverage or from zero to 80% or 60%, um, knowing that there is- Wait, what do you mean of coverage? You said of cover, what do you mean by coverage? Covering this, uh, the city by having, um, for example, uh, having pictures about the monuments, having articles um, and producing other materials related to that. This is the coverage that basically we do in terms of producing content um, and so we go from 0%, no available content, um, to a lot of content available. This is a success for us. Um, in terms of um, the governance, as much as we create affiliates and we allow them to get together, be structured, um, and know how to um, um, onboard other people and how to run events and how to run projects, this is a different um, point of view from the affiliations committee, for example. Yeah. And it's another success. Um, we're creating more affiliations, more user groups, um, more thematic organizations, um, uh, more chapters are recognized as Wikimedia chapters. Um, and so 
that means more organized communities to deliver the work better, to get more access, more knowledge. And here, the success um, resides in um, not only the, the number, but what's behind the number. If we say we have a um, hundred of user groups, that's not a success as much as we say we have a hundred user groups representing a hundred different cities and themes around the world. Um, some of them, they work um, for uh, like adding knowledge or um, information about uh, the medicine. Some of them, they work uh, thematic uh, and themes related to, um, to data. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them, they are related to uh, uh, how, how we call it, for example, languages. Languages are very, very important. The language of the internet right now is English. It's very dominant by colonial languages, not only English. And so as much as we create communities that work in their, their mother tongue as much as we're successful, um, I don't see success by numbers or statistics as much as I see success by the stories that we touch. When we say that we have many Africa Wikipedias now, um, the Swahili, the, the Igbo user group, for example, in Nigeria, different um, groups that are getting together to be created and we support them um, as a group of volunteers to grow and to document their heritage, their history, their actuality and their today life, this is very important. Um, and this is way more important than just statistics. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the second question, you touched on the second question already, which was related to language. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about um, the mandate of Wiki Arabia? Is it focused on uh, Wikipedia in Arabic, or is it focused on um, creating and or is it focused on um, advancing sort of free open uh, knowledge regarding the region rather than necessarily related to the language? So Wikipedia is a different thing than the Arabic Wikipedia. Okay. What's the difference? Uh, these are two different things. The Arabic Wikipedia is a Wikipedia, a different language of Wikipedia. It's the yeah. Arabic Wikipedia. Um, and I would never talk a word about the Arabic Wikipedia in the presence of the great Salah al-Muhamdi because he is a genius um, of the Arabic Wikipedia. He's great. here in the hall. Um, however, for the Wiki Arabia is a conference. It's a gathering of the Arabic Wikipedians and those interested in the Arabic Wikipedia. Um, it's a gathering for them to exchange knowledge, best practices, uh, projects they're working on, um, to get to know each other and how to work and build um, a community, uh, build connections between the existing user groups and the Wikipedians. So it's, it's a mix between Wikipedians as dedicated for the Arabic Wikipedia and user groups working on projects related to Wikipedia. Perfect. Um, so these are two different things. Okay, that makes sense. So I wanna talk a little bit, go back to a little bit um, about Tunis. Um, and when you talk about preservation, like um, I, the word preservation I find interesting, right? Because 
it's very like uh, it's uh, one of those few concepts that's both retrospective and perspective, right? Because it's trying to like drag the past or preserve the past into the future. Um, and you mentioned when you talked about Tunisia um, that people get the sense that it's very modern and very this, um, but it's also conservative, right? It's also um, it may it. It's it's more modern than some some people think. It's more conservative than some people think. <laughs> Maybe that's the right way of saying it. Um, you've been working on this project for quite some time. What have you uncovered about Tunisia that six year, the Emna from six years ago would be surprised? Uh, would be surprised? No, but this it's more about the discovery and enjoying the whole whole process of it. Um, one of the things that I enjoyed and I'm still looking forward to developing um, the project better um, is uh, basically for, let's take it, the, you mentioned the Medina, the Medinapedia project. Mm -hmm. um, what's about this project is how we develop it from just adding articles to um, um, a handful of monuments in the Medina to adding thousands of images and hundreds of articles in different languages. Uh, not only the three languages that we, um, we had, those are numbers, but the, um, the success behind it is being able to do that work as volunteers with the zero, um, zero fund, um, and enjoy going around the Medina, discovering new areas and discovering the history behind it. Um, and here is why I say Cartagena will still exist for years, because when we say we're going to cover one area, we get a lot of discovery um, and a lot of um, unexpected places to write about. Um, we're not only talking about something very, um, uh, very cliche, we're just talking about a lot of history. Uh, in the Medina, every uh, road has a history mm -hmm. and the um, houses in that road has history. The shops, the mausoleums, and, and actually in the picture to the left, um, you can see I would say three or four monuments more than the that souk, that market, three or four monuments that had articles or that should have articles. So most of that road is covered. We have the orange door, which is Al Madras Al Muradiya. We have um, one of the gates to the Zaytuna Mosque that is. Um, or I'm not sure about it. Um, toward the end of that road, we have um, the Mufti uh, office, the Mufti of Tunisia office. Yeah. Uh, we have a mausoleum that everyone goes by this souk that is for um, called the women's souk um, to buy the jibba and stuff like that. Um, clothing basically and they never know that there is a mausoleum um, of Sidi al-Asfuri in here. So this is a just a road, um, a like a cropped picture but we see a lot of monuments. 
So it's, like, you're, it's like you're mapping knowledge more than anything. Not only. We're making sure that that knowledge is not forgotten, that knowledge is not just accessible for people who are doing researches for academia, but it's accessible for everybody around. And this is why we moved from just writing articles to putting signs around those monuments. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, because yeah, I remember, I, I think I saw that online. You There was this project with QR codes and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's, everybody, it's for everybody just hanging around the Medina. When they sign, um, they open their phones, the, yeah. they go there, and they would find the article in Wikipedia with images in the language of their phone. We're not talking about... Uh, having it for Tunisians only, it's for everyone visiting Tunisia or visiting the Medina of Tunis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the bringing it into sort of the physical space, I think is a really interesting development for, um, because it, it sort of, it for me, that, that sort of speaks to this idea of like um, uh, introducing it into the future, right? So that that these places are living, and that the the knowledge of that place should not only be a sort of a thing that you ingest away from it. You actually should um, uh, sort of uh, um, you know like consume that knowledge while you're there, right? While you're interacting with those places. Um, I want to move on to our, our little quick Q&A and then we'll go to the questions in the chat um, and then we can come back if we have any questions left, sure. uh, any time left. So for those of you in the chat, if you want to ask questions, please type them in there and then we will uh, jump to you in a second. So first thing is what are you reading or watching right now? Um, well, I would say not what I am reading, but what I would recommend, highly recommend for read. Um, is the book that my 2020 book um, when we were Arabs um, that book is um, written by Masoud Hayoun who is a originally North African um, uh, and who is an American based in the US a journalist um, and he talks about the struggle of the Jewish community um, when they had to, um, to move out of Tunisia and Egypt to France and then to the US on, or other countries and how they were lost or they were forced um, and pushed to uh, drop their identity. Um, and they were not really integrated in the communities or the societies they moved to. Um, and that nostalgia behind. It talks really to the heart. Um, it's from somebody who is very rooted here, although he was born in the US, uh, someone who's um, the tradition and rituals of the Jewish Arabs is very rooted. Um, and it's very, very important to acknowledge how the colonial system changed us and shaped our culture and identity in a way that um, many Arab countries changed their views towards their fellow citizens who are from a different religion. I really highly recommend this book to be read. Um, again, it's When We Were Arabs, it's available everywhere, um, but also it's available for um, thinking, to think about how we see the different religions around us, how we see the difference 
um, and how we contributed um, with different systems to push people away from their homes and how we're not really welcoming to those who are acquiring their identity. Great, great recommendation. Um, okay, next. Um, who would you love to shadow for a day, past or present? Uh, I was thinking about, um, I don't know, who are the people that inspire me uh, in terms of work or in terms of um, power and making things happen and talk from the heart to the heart, um, talk to the people um, not from a... Um, from a bubble, but talk to them uh, in a real way and do things for them. Um, and I was watching uh, recently um, her talk and um, to some students um, in their graduation. Long story short, I would love one day as a dream of mine to shadow Angela Merkel um, she is a powerful woman. Um, she's full of herself in many, many ways. She's super confident and she's superhuman. Um, every talk that she made, um, I would not say political talk, but I would say every talk that she made or public speech during the pandemic was touching people's hearts. Um, everything that she uh, she said, for example, in her speech um, in the Harvard um, commencement speech, and when she acknowledged what the Germans did um, in World War II, for example, um, and talking about how she got politically active and the things that she went through and being a successful woman in a world of men leaders, this is a person that I would love to shadow. What, as Leila said in the chat, what a cool choice. <laughs> this, that caught me off guard. Because <laughs> Angela like, Merkel doesn't usually, like people don't usually have like hope and change photos of uh, Angela Merkel on their wall, but that is a great choice. Yeah. Cool. She's a great woman. Yeah. She's, uh, she's like a, she's a scientist, right? Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do people most misunderstand about your work or your line of work? Um, I always get this question as, what do you do? So people, they don't get what I do in my life exactly. What type of work? Um, do you want to clear it up for them now? Because <laughs> the volunteering is jumping <laughs> into the, um, the work. Um, what I would say is I, I try to, um, to help build a better world for the next generation. I try to make sure that we don't lose everything that our ancestors made. And at least I, I contribute to, um, to their knowledge by documenting, but also by sharing the knowledge and um, the platforms that I have. Great. That's a LinkedIn bio if I've ever heard one. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whose work, and I guess it's not Angela Merkel, but whose work do you admire or are inspired by? Uh, here I would bring in my human rights hat. Um, 
and I would say I am inspired by a um, few women that I admire so much um, for different reasons, for, um, for them serving the people, for them serving a cause, a noble cause, um, and for them uh, being just outstanding in being true to themselves, loyal, and um, with a lot of dignity. Um, I would say, I would name them uh, my mentor and my absolute admiration, um, Hibak Osman, who is the CEO of Karama, uh, which is a network of women leaders in Africa and the Middle East, an outstanding woman who's able to bring in the same table and give um, access to women leaders um, different um, aspects of knowledge and uh, different type of support and bringing different women, more than a hundred women leader from the region. Um, and knowing that uh, she's been doing this for a few years, like more than 17 years as the Karama CEO, um, that's outstanding for me to be able to be as active as you start 17 years ago. Um, my friend who is a, a prominent but jailed Saudi activist, Lujain Al-Hadloul, I have a lot of admiration to her, to her courage and determination um, and to her um, sacrifice because she comes from a different background. She's been raised in a very modern society, societies, I would say. She was raised in France. She lived in Canada and studied there. She was offered different positions and she was offered nationalities and she never accepted. She always wanted to go back to Saudi Arabia to contribute to the change. And she believed that Saudi women um, are going to change and earn their rights as citizens of uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, and um, another friend uh, who passed away a few months ago, Lina bin Mahini, um, because she was the icon of the Tunisian revolution. She was our, um, I would say, barometer to know where we're standing and how we're going. Um, she uh, lost her battle with the, the locust disease um, in January this year. Um, so those are women that are outstanding. Um, Lena's legacy continues. That's why I would always talk about her in the present. Um, and her foundation is about to be created to continue the legacy of Lena. Um, and those are women that are making a change. Even, um, even Lena who died, even Lujain who's in jail, they are making a change. Lujain, while being in jail, she was selected as one of the top 100 leaders of the world, influencers mm. of the world. Um, and so I would um, invite the attendees to, um, to look at look them online and uh, learn about what they did in their life and get inspired by them. Cool. Great. Okay, so we have two questions in the chat. Okay, I'm going to ask Leila's question and then if Sada comes back around. She can ask her. So um, Leila asked me to ask her a question. Um, 
how are you mapping the lost layers of Tunisian cultural heritage and identity? <laughs> Why do you pick those type of complicated questions? Um, well, after you ask this, you can tell us what your favorite ice cream is, but let's start with this one. <laughs> no, um, we really don't go through the normal ways of identifying and having metrics as much as we go through um, what's needed, what's available. Given um, the circumstances in Tunisia and the bureaucracy around, it's very, very difficult for us to navigate through and make things happen, and especially in the cultural sector. Um, when you're doing the real work for the people, um, it makes a difference. And when you do it without um, having, um, without being backed or without being a senior person, um, it was difficult. So this is one of the things that was part of the struggle that we went through um, for a long time because we, when we started the I think we were the average age of Cartagena was 25 years old. And in every meeting with the ministries, um, Ministry of Culture or whatever ministry with different um, administrations, they would never take us serious. Um, we're young, we're kids for them. Um, but the, trying to, um, to use what's available and make something out of it and um, and build something from the scratch is um, is the response to this. No metrics, um, no tables, uh, nothing. It's just my, uh, my team and I, what we do, what we trust and believe and feel right to be done, we do it. Okay, great. Um, okay, I'm gonna ask Sada's question because it doesn't seem like she's able to ask it. So um, thank you so much for sharing. Very insightful. I appreciate Carthagena's objective in preserving Tunisian culture for purposes of sustaining cultural presence amongst Tunisian people. Many of my Tunisian friends that immigrate to the States appear to distance or even disassociate from cultural practices. What are your thoughts about this? I do understand them. Um, I just mentioned it like a while ago, a moment ago. It's not easy to um, to keep doing the work. Um, <clears throat> as a reflection um, on, for example, what we do as um, as a group um, in the Wiki Loves Monument uh, photo contest, what we did for years as documenting and uploading thousands of images every year in September, um, it was very difficult to organize it. We used our own um, resources. We used our own cars. We used our own laptops. We struggled to have internet in certain areas around Tunisia. We struggled to find people who would believe in this with us. Um, and so when you put it um, into comparison to what where where started Wiki Loves Monuments in the Netherlands and how they were able to document in few years and um, in less years than us to document their heritage and to have access um, to monuments. 
there is a lot of struggle to go through. So if you really suffer from a place, sometimes the trauma makes it very difficult to reconcile with that place. But this is a different role that I see Cartagena is, um, is doing um, in these years and the next years is to, um, to build more connection with the Tunisians abroad. They do believe in this country, even if they are um, traumatized from certain things or unhappy with the situation, um, they are doing things. I would give a small example. When we wanted to document the musical heritage of Rashidiyya, um, the most or the biggest donor to that crowdfunding was um, actually were two Tunisians living abroad. Um, one donated 700 pounds and one donated 500 Swiss franc at once. They literally, we had the donation, we had it for um, the crowdfunding for 2000 USD. And we ended up in a few days with Tunisians living abroad um, and not visiting the country uh, that often, donating and helping us to preserve and digitize the heritage the musical heritage of Rashidiyya, which is a 1934 years, um, um, or it existed since 1934. Um, so it's it's very good to keep the connection with them, and we hope to um, to make it happen in a wider range. That's great. Um, so let me ask you another last final question. Well, first I'll ask you, what is your favorite ice cream? Since I already uh i don't know i don't have a favorite one okay even that's a tough question okay so i'll i'll <laughs> i'll finalize my final question my final question is this um, yeah and this is this might be hard but i think it's worthwhile because this is something that i think about for africa all the time um if there was a if there was one valid criticism of what you're doing with carthaginum mm -hmm. what would it be what are you doing badly? Um, I do receive a lot of criticism in different ways. Um, Which, what type of criticism do you receive that you respect the most? You're like, yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> we should be doing this better. <laughs> uh, I would say I receive it from the team, okay. which is an amazing thing. Um, from uh, the co-founder, uh, Zainab, she criticizes me in different ways, in different good ways. Um, so her reflection would always make me see um, things differently or make me see where I am going wrong and why I'm doing this. And also the other members um, of the bureau. Also, I What's would... an example of one of the criticisms? Not of you necessarily, but of, of the organization. Yeah, so for example, you should not, when we go into negotiation, um, in certain uh, partnerships, um, you should not, for example, you should not do this or you did this, um, that you, you did not really acknowledge the, the work that was done in that way. Um, that's not very good for the team, for example, or um, those are the type of things that really uh, are um, very important. Well, also uh, the type of other type of criticism that I receive, it's 
basically uh, not criticism as much as comments that will help us always to be better. It's like when we're thinking out loud about projects, um, I would find her saying, for example, is that um, within our mandate or is that good mm. for our reputation? Don't forget yeah. about the community. Um, so that makes me go back to, oh yes, we have a community we have to take care of, we have a mandate. Um, but also in terms of ideas and way of governance, I would say my partner also helps a lot in this. Um, and which way as an, like a very good advisor, which um, things I would uh, do or say. Great. Well, Emna, thanks so much for joining. I really appreciated this. Um, I hope you had a good time. See you at the next event. Thanks everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks, Emna. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We have new episodes coming every single week. Make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find us at afikra.com for information about all upcoming events. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot. See you next time and stay curious.